Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And today it's me, Chris Spaggs, without Pete Overzet. So I'm digging deep to get into my roster of top DFS players. That means I'm bringing on Ryan Patnick, of course, one of my friends from Stochastic, one of the top DFS players in the world, whose name I probably butchered, even though I've known him for years. But we're going to do that. We're going to talk about DFS lineups. We're going to talk about NFL DFS week one and how to optimize and make better lineups across the board right after this intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's a special Wednesday edition of Splash Play here, where hopefully we'll get some people tuning in. But once again, I'm Chris Spaggs. Again, joined by Ryan, better known as Rinpack, a guy you've seen, I'm sure, soaring past you in DFS tournaments out there. Ryan, how are you doing? How is life as one of the top players in the world who's, I feel like, in between your favorite sports right now? Yeah, no, it's it, the summer is always an interesting time. Sometimes you dabble in it, some MLB, sometimes you take some time off. It's been more of a time off summer for me just to like enjoy like the warm weather. I spent majority of it in Chicago. Now I'm spending week one in Michigan just because I had majority of my setup here. So it's, it's fun. I mean, week one NFL, there's nothing like it. It's probably the most exciting NFL DFS of the weekend by, by a long shot, just because of the volume you can enter the price pools up top. And you're just hoping one lineup just creeps up to the top. Uh, but as always, NBA is my baby. I'm always looking forward to the NBA season, but at least the first four weeks of NFL, it's, it's fun to wake up and grind that out. We're going to talk a lot about this NFL Week 1 stuff. I got the ownership projections from Stochastic, of course. My former employers, good, really one of the best sites out there you could be following, so make sure you are checking out Stochastic.com, S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C.com. Go over there right now and check out the projections, of course, by the top DFS player, Osmo, along with a great team of guys like Ryan, who are just very sharp and really better at this than I have any right to be <laughs> overall. But make sure you guys, if you're watching live, hit the like button. Of course, shout out to the chat as well. I see some great names in here, some of our regulars, Ryan, where, you know, we're re building the splash play channel really building it up here so we got to give the shout outs to guys like dylan saying good morning gm spags nick uh we got stochastic in here itself that's probably i feel like that's probably nick on the on the handle right probably nick leopard probably leopard <laughs> and nick of course one of the best ball guys out there who i'm like nick's gonna have to adjust now ryan because i know you were dabbling best ball a little bit you were starting to i mean not probably more than a little bit i'll say but i know we had talked at one point in the off season where you were doing some best ball drafts and really getting crazy with your exposures and i wanted to have you on the show to talk with pete about it because you know pete's the guy who's taught me a lot of the stuff about you know my best ball process that hopefully made me better at it we'll see how those lineups go on um, underdog and draftings this year but you did some crazy things out there that i just want to give you the floor to talk about how you viewed best ball because you are one of the sharpest game theory guys I know when it comes to DFS, but best ball is a whole different ball of wax that I felt like overall just a less sharp industry, you know, besides people who of course are in our chat. Yeah, no, this was my first true exposure to NFL best ball. I've had some success with NBA best ball dropping his head around like a second half only NBA best ball. I want to say not this previous season, but two seasons ago, which I ended up having a couple just get into the finals. There's also a ton of overlay then. So I, Probably a little bit lucky then. I just wanted to dabble because I was like not playing much MLB. And I was like, okay, let's just try this out. Let's see this underdog. Underdog is a business is just booming. So I was like, all right, let's 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 mm -hmm. go see what's happening over there. Now, I just got a little crazy with that. Like maybe a little too crazy looking back at it just because of like value-based drafting is probably the best way to attack any sort of fantasy football draft from like a simple perspective. I was just onslaughting teams that I thought uh, could take me to the top. Um the three teams that I was consi uh, consistently onslaughting were the Chiefs and the Giants were the two. And then 
I would get the back half of the Colts minus Pittman and Taylor. I would get their team. The reason why I was doing this is like, I just wanted to try this out and just see how it goes. And then I just saw people in other discords uh, saying, oh my God, I need to try this out. That's when I had to felt like I had to speak up and let people know this is a very crazy take. I do not think this is by any means optimal because I didn't want people to spend their hard earned money on such a crazy degenerate uh, approach that I was going upon it. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. You want to share some? Well, I got to give a shout. By the way, we got a super chat here from our guy Max. Max with two X's, which makes him the coolest Max I know. Thank you for the supporting the channel as well as the show here. But I got to ask you though. So, like, you're talking about some of your strategy, and one of the things that jumped out to me, which I talked about on some of my Friday solo streams, was that I really felt like the one thing people do in DFS they don't do in best ball is sort of leveraging against other people's failure and trying to take, you know, this guy who's going to be so highly owned. What if he doesn't go well? How does that process go? That results in somebody else either bubbling up or a different direction or all that. And I feel like, you know, for me, what you talked about with the Colts was something I was doing, certainly taking a little more Pittman, but I love Alec Pierce, love Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines is, I think, my highest exposed running back in my final underdog exposures. But it's something to me where, like, if everybody in the world has Jonathan Taylor at the highest possible draft capital, I felt like just trying to take the ways that he could not get there, which to me means losing some goal line touches, losing some of the easy touchdowns he got last year. Maybe he doesn't break the long runs. You see more Hines, see more Pittman, uh, see more Pierce, even Moali Cox. But overall, like I just thought that was how to approach this, you know, from what I saw last year for some of my lineups, was that the same thought process for you? Or is there any sort of game theory optimal to try to adhere to for best ball? So I guess the game theory optimal would be a tough term to say. I just wanted to, get exposure to all the Chiefs just because I had them projected as the highest scoring offense at the end of week 17. I think they would score offensively the most points in the league. And I was like, hey, I just want all their points. I just want to see how this goes. That gives me a strong floor. And then with the Giants, I did that. And then also this, all the week 17 bros are going to love this. The Colts and the Giants play week 17. So I was like, all right, let's just run some correlation and I could get Matt Ryan, Naheem Hines, uh, I got Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, and Mo Ali Cox. And the, the for 60 of my breast ball mania teams, that's what it looks like. And then I had to uh unfortunately underdog is not legal in Michigan. I came back to Michigan, so I had to rip off 90 drafts like within like uh a six-hour layover or a six-hour flight delay in uh Chicago Midway, just using like ranking. So uh just to get the volume in. But looking back at it. I definitely don't would never advocate to do that. I just want to see how it goes. I just like Patrick Mahomes as a fan standpoint of view. And then it, I changed things up for DraftKings a little bit. I just went pure value based. And uh, I did get a correlation in my stacks with uh, my heavy, my heaviest own stacks is probably Carson Wentz and McLaurin on DK. And then uh, Deshaun Watson, Damari Cooper uh, towards the end. Uh, I The reason why I did this was I'm hoping Carson Wentz, uh, I think per Mike Clay's, uh, Strength of schedule model. Carson Wentz has the easiest uh, strength of schedule this year. And it, as gross as it sounds, I think Wentz can be okay. And then Wentz has a week 14 by Deshaun Watson comes back week 13. So I'm just hoping that I, a lot of my teams are just too tight, uh, too QB. And it's a lot of Wentz and Watson. And I'm just, I made a hard stance. It kind of goes against the diversification of what's ha- like a lot of people are diversifying, which is completely fine. I personally like to make some hard stance. Yes, I know. Uh, when I lose, I will probably lose big, but I, I do think if things work out, I put myself in a position to win bigger. So that's why I'm making such aggressive stands. 
So I'm going to ask you some more best ball questions, guys. If you are just clicking the thumbnail and wondering how to build some better week one NFL DFS lineups, we are going to get into that. We're going to hop into the fantasy cruncher and actually look through the optimization stuff because as I tweeted out today, I just want Ryan to save me from myself because I'm maxing out the Millie Maker this week. It's five bucks. I can find the time and the effort to do that. Uh, but we want to talk some more about best ball because I'm curious your thoughts about how this overall industry approaches because, you know, Pete and I, and, and Pete certainly, you know, leading the cavalry for everybody talking about week 17 correlations. The main things for me that I was trying to adhere to are the week 17 correlations the the double stacks overall with my qb and i also did play a lot with rotovis's roster construction explorer trying to figure out what the ideal pockets have been since 2015 of when to draft qbs when to draft a tight end and as a result i took a lot of elite tight ends a lot of semi-elite qbs and also went very aggressively zero rb was there anything you heard throughout this industry process where i know you were on our stream i'm sure you're watching some of the stochastic ones other ones out there was there anything you heard where you're like that seems wrong but they're treating this like it's right so at first when I heard everyone just stacking the shit out of week 17, I'm like, damn, what happens if your team just sucks from week one through 15? Like you're not, it's not going to matter. Right. So I do think people can make arguments either way. I know Alex had a very comprehensive and very uh, sound article with week, week, week 16 with, with such variance. So, so high in fantasy football. And I think a lot of like the, uh, the street, uh, the street people who are just making lineups on the street, they probably don't understand variance to the level as like we do. And I think it's pretty important to know that like Jonathan Taylor could sprain his ankle week one and be out for the next 10 weeks. And that just changes up the whole draft. And there's no waivers in best ball. So it's like a very different approach. You can't approach best ball like season long where in season long, you can take some risk, like extreme risks and like hopefully the waiver wire pans out. Same with best ball towards the end of the draft, but it's so like, once you're done, you're done. There's nothing else you can really do. And what comes out to like what sounds wrong to me is I, I I do think you can get away without week 17 correlation. Like I don't think it's a must. Like at what part I how much are you correlating? Like are you correlating the whole offenses back and forth? Or are you correlating like one player? Like I don't know where you draw the line with the week 17 correlation. So I think once we get more data, like you only have two season season worth of data at one point i thought it's the best thing to like draft at the end of the end of like best ball like the end of the uh, best ball's calendar like so like this week would be the best way but there was data last year it didn't matter when you drafted so i, I don't know i mean I, I think the more data we get the more better basketball players we become that's what's happened with dfs that's happened with so many different games long like the last 10 years so I, I don't know what it is like next year. Next year, it might be like divisional correlations because mo majority of your players play against each other. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that might be a thing this year where I, we did take some AFC West heavy teams on these streams with Pete. And like, and I think that's one that I love that division, obviously, you know, elite quarterback play some different guys. You can get to different ADPs that stood out to me. My one thing that jumped out to me with best ball. And this is part of why I was so heavily invested this year, both in terms of the content workflow, as well as like my actual money. Like I didn't, I have I'm always been reluctant to play MLB DFS too heavy. Like I would do it. I love covering it. Like I loved covering it when I was at Osmo. Um, but I think for me, like it's not my favorite sport. I'd rather spend my money on NFL rather spend my money on NBA. But the one thing that jumped out to me with best ball is like, I don't feel like best ball has been figured out to the extent that DFS has where like, I think in the next few years, you might see a best ball optimizer that comes out. You might see some, whether it be, you know, through a fantasy cruncher or a spike week or one of these other sites out there, they're trying to make tools. But I also feel like best ball, like it's this weird thing where people get caught in the redraft kind of psychology, the season long psychology that they've played since they were kids. 
And I think people are like obsessed with running backs, obsessed with certain constructions. And it's like, no, just if you do some things that are a little bit different, if you're willing to get uncomfortable, you might have the biggest gains this year. Is that something you're seeing as somebody who I feel like in terms of people I know, you've probably spent as much on DFS as anybody out there. Do you feel like that's where best ball's going with you know the underdog valuation soaring and this people's interest in it really being sky high? Yeah, I, I do think um, people will get more and more sound. And one thing it'd be interesting to check, I know like there's week to week best ball. And like, I don't know if we can derive data based on that to make us better season long best ball players by any means. Like every week, like underdog has their best ball contest, like for week one. Like, so maybe it's that's something that we need to look into a bit more, like how like that's working out, what roster constructions are doing better there. And then maybe we get more of a like a slate sample size. But I do think the more data we get, the more better people are going to just get. That's just like how the world is operating at this level. Like the more data you have to analyze, the better decisions you're going to make. And I think it's it's not going to be immediate. I do think maybe let's say we're having this conversation three basketball seasons from now. I hope we're better basketball players. And I think we'll have more data to look upon. And maybe we're going to look back and laugh at it. Oh, my God, week 17. Uh, what a joke of a build. And then. Because back in the day, DFS people would like have rules saying, "Oh, you must play three running backs in DraftKings builds." Mm-hmm. Like, and like now, as the NFL has operated passing heavy, no one's really saying that. You can easily put a wide receiver, and wide receiver ceilings are arguably much higher nowadays. So things will change, and like the sport will change. And I do think, um, I, I do think the safest approach is just taking the best player on the board and. Uh, should pan out more times than not with the competition we're going against. Now, yeah. is that going to be put you in the ceiling to win that $2 million top prize day in and day out? Probably not. You probably need to make some reaches and probably need to take some risks towards the end. And you need the variance to work in your favor to really end up at the top and have that one lineup. Um, yeah. And the variance has to work in your favor over the course of an entire season. And you talk, like you talked about, you have to get lucky as well with the avoiding the injuries, avoiding the key injuries. And yeah, you know, if you do lose a guy, you, you want to lose somebody that hopefully can uh, get the production made up in another, you know, another facet of your draft. But I think too, one of my biggest fears, especially with DraftKings, is that somebody out there just got the most loaded super team and not like through collusion or anything, not through a classic, you know, bachelor scenario where they're both teaming up to get it, but more like just because they were such bad rooms, like such not sharp rooms, especially yeah. May, June, that like I didn't start drafting on DraftKings, I think, until end of May. And I think I already saw that there were some really soft lineups there, and I'm sure they were even soft before the ADP stabilized. So it's possible that there's just a super team or, or you know, 100 out there that are just like guys that shouldn't have gone, like Justin Jefferson in the second round and Chase in the first round, like like late first round. Like that's the kind of thing that I think could exist out there. And that's sort of my fear of best ball is that you could be as sharp as possible. You could make the best constructions, but ultimately you might be victim to just a bad room and somebody getting lucky from that. For sure. And uh, funny you said that. I got an email from Underdog, I think two nights ago, saying one of your leagues has been canceled due to collusion. So someone was colluding in a draft I was in. So I only have 149 entries and I don't have the ability to enter my 150th one. So I'm disappointed. If that was the one that was going to win me the two milli, I, I'm very disappointed. But are you team that ma- like maxing it out was the plus EV move? Because Pete pushed back on me on that, saying that like you didn't have to do it. I really felt like for like a puppy, maybe not, but best ball mania, if you could do it, like I was dead set on getting my 150. And same thing with DraftKings, I ended up getting 148. But like I really think that's an important thing that I know I learned from from Alex at Osmo, uh, of course, Osmo himself, uh, many years ago, that like you're inherently at a disadvantage in any DFS tournament when you aren't maxing it out relative to everybody else. Do you feel that way for best ball, or do you think there's a little more room to you know play 50 entries? It's a lot of shot. Uh, you certainly have a shot at 50 entries. I think it's much greater if you have 150. So yeah, I'm, I'm more in Alex's boat. And it's also like, you got to know, uh, 
what your goals are with like, you got to know like what you're, you got to have some sort of perspective and realistic expectations with whatever basketball bankroll you have. It's really hard to come. It's like, it's it still is really hard. Like two teams only advance and then one team advances. It's just like, there's so many hurdles to get you to that final round. Um, not, it is kind of a lottery ticket, but if you have the sound decisions put in place and going back to what you said of like softer rooms and uh, like, ADP rising and stuff like that. The one thing if you're grinding out, like if you're grinding out NFL year long, because there's that's the one sport people are grinding out year long constantly on a whole nother level, especially fantasy football. If you can expose rankings like like fantasy pros' rankings, if you expose these popular ranking sources with something that you know, I think you have an advantage. So I think last year a lot of people were be able to get Cooper Cup at a great discount just because of the Matthew Stafford upgrade from Jared Goff. Obviously, that's easy to say when Cooper Cup just has one of the greatest all-time receiving seasons. But if you're able to find, you don't, you can be very like uh, value-based ranking and just have those one or two guys you're a bit heavier on, and I think you will set yourself apart. I, I don't think you need to be too crazy to win the best ball mania. And you, you'll look at the team at the end of the year, and you'll be like, "Oh, that makes sense." And like, it won't be that crazy of a team that ends up winning it, in my opinion. Unless it's one of mine, then it'll be completely unhinged and have no running backs in the first 10 rounds. We're all going to have a great time celebrating that going. Um, shout out to the chat, by the way, as well. If you guys are new around here, I think it's a lot of the regulars currently, but make sure you are subscribed to the Splash Play channel. Brandon over here moving from the Swole cast to Splash Play. Um, I appreciate that as well. Of course, Pete's in Vegas this week, so the Friday show will be me and my former, uh, not former pal, my current pal slash former <laughs> frequent co-host as well at Stochastic. Eric Lindquist will be joining me. So uh, today, this week rather, and a lot of these Splash Play shows we're going to have coming up here, we're dipping into the Spags Rolodex. The Pete Rolodex is going to be its own thing. We'll have those on Fridays still, uh, but prepare to see more different, you know, different streams on here, different kinds of content. We'll still do, uh, still do the hijinks on the, the flagship show with me and Pete once a week, but prepare for some changes around here just as we try to get more really heavier and hopefully make me a better player. Um, also, uh, Historical Anomalies asking about the flooding, which I was catching Ryan up on right before the show. Um, the flooding has been uh, cleared out. It was only a couple inches, but now we have fans down there and a dehumidifier, I guess, running to remove the stuff, and then we have to file insurance things so my studio ryan is going to be unavailable for a while and as you know in a man who's always broadcasting from your comfy space the nice big theater setup there it's tough to lose your studio and you're a content creator and you have it just the way you want it and now i'm in the guest room here and i feel completely naked here to do the content that we have to do heading into the nfl season yeah no that's how i feel too that's another reason why i just came back to uh this setup it's just like i was i did a show in my uh uh the apartment rental i had in chicago i was like this feels like does not feel like normal because I have a different streaming laptop than I have like uh, my own laptop just to like, it's just like the setup. It's just like the content thing. Like you have your setup, you feel com comfortable in your setup. And if it gets a little unhinged, it just puts you in a bad mood. It's true. And so I'm in a bad mood perpetually this week, guys. Make sure you smash the like button here and, of course, subscribe. Make sure to follow at Rinpack as well and follow me at Chris Bags and follow at Splash Play Pod because, again, we're going to be playing with the show schedule, including on Fridays, that show, the flagship show, the Ride or Die Pick show on Fridays will be at 10 a.m. Eastern moving forward. So uh, stay tuned for that and keep your eyes peeled again this Friday for me and Eric Lindquist. But Ryan, I want to talk about some of the NFL DFS stuff we teased out here because that's what people are here for. And, and I really, for me, this is important to kind of have you on because 
I think with best ball, like you know, part of what I liked that we did, you know, the best ball drafts all year long was that we, as you know, unlike some other best ball streams out there, like we played Pete and I play NFL DFS regularly. I'm obsessed with it. I know a lot of people, you know, sometimes are a little bit leery about it and you have been out in the streets, you know, playing a lot of money weekly for a couple of years now, from what I know, probably more than a couple. And I feel like it's one of those things where it can be scary. I don't think it's a safe of a place. It's not as welcoming of a community, quite frankly, as best ball is, but it is still, you know, big money weekly, you know, this week on DraftKings, I talked about, I'm going to max that Millie maker $5, 150 max on there. So not a crazy entry fee for a million dollar prize pool, but you're competing against, you know, 1.4 million people. I believe in that one or 1.2 million, something like that. A large really field there of people who are going to do, you know, plus EV approaches that are going to really optimize well, that are going to play ownership spectacularly. And also people that are just going to do fucking insane things because they're playing because they remember the ads from two summers ago and they're going to hop in and, and maybe even win it somehow. So how do you handle that kind of tournament in an overall approach? Like, is there anything you're doing on a baseline level that you give to people out there to make them feel like they at least have some sliver of an edge? Play the best players. <laughs> no, uh, week one is always an interesting beast because of how big that Millie Maker prize pool is. Uh, two years ago, I got absolutely smoked week one. Last week, last year, week one was one of my better NFL DFS season uh, weeks I've ever like had. And then I got smoked from weeks two through 17. So NFL is always a own um, beast in its own right. So I, overall, like relative to a week one slate, and it's something that I remember from NFL week one generally, and I, I think I've probably said on content over the last few years, but it feels like the edge for the NFL. If you do have an information knowledge base and you have good projections, and of course I would advocate for the stochastic ones that are going to be the ones that I'm rolling out this week because I did not get to uh, enhance mine for this year in the way I would have liked to. Uh, but stochastics projections are the ones that I go with. I know people use ETRs out there. We have some at Football Outsiders as well. If you want to go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Really, you know, in a perfect world, I would say, Blending a bunch of them together might be the way to do it. But overall, is there anything that you feel like are traps for week one through three, let's say, where there is that less information, there isn't as projectable of an outlook on this year? Is there anything you're seeing, you know, guys moving teams, obviously a lot of quarterback changes, wide receiver changes this year. Like, is there anything that you're watching out for that people might flock towards, but you're actively running away from? Uh, looking into week one, I'll, so one thing this year, week one, there's a lot of like uncertainty with injury in some wide receiver rooms. The Packers with Alan Lazard, the Giants, uh, all uh, offseason long. Those are the first two that come to mind. We don't have to worry about Tampa Bay. They're they're that Sunday night game. But this year, I uh, I tend for any any NFL um, and uh, looking into my NFL process, I wait for that Friday injury report to start like looking at okay, what players am I going to look at? Uh, I I tend to work work with a much smaller quarterback pool, uh, kind of like making aggressive uh, stance. It does burn me when I do lose, but uh, when I have won, it has worked out well for me. First, I'll look at, okay, what are the matchups and what are the Vegas totals first? See, like, where the points are going to come at. What players I can narrow down from there and kind of go from, like, a tournament perspective, uh, look at, like, what ownership sticks out. Like, for example, the always common ownership disparities like Metcalf and Lockett. Why is Metcalf twice projected to be twice as owned as Lockett? in a uh, previous year, Russell Wilson stack. How can I differentiate uh, stacks that are going to be popular, but still get exposure to that stack? Like commonly last year was the Dak Prescott double stack with Lamb and Cooper and Schultz. How can I still get exposure to Dak, but is it is is the pairing of uh, Lamb and Schultz going to be more popular or the combination of Cooper and Schultz? Where I can still argue there, yeah, maybe I get less targets, but my upsides are very similar. They're going to be on the field a similar amount. So I try to like narrow down options where i have or in high scoring offenses and good game scripts where i can be like okay 
this is still popular, but rightfully so, but I can still get different, not only in my stack, but in secondary, like the secondary roster build. Is it a bring back? Is it a double bring back? Or do I look target other high scoring games in that environment as well? So there's a lot that goes into it. Now, if you're building a cash game build, week one is probably the best way just to, if you're just going to roll out the stochastic optimal and you just fish out the non-badges on DraftKings and FanDuel, I think you'll do pretty well. I mean, unless you get like, you get screwed over with some bad injuries. I think more times than not, if you, if you can uh, fish out the uh, newbies and as uh, I think Adam Leventon, Leventon calls them the toilet shitters and uh, <laughs> you can uh, definitely find yourself a profit, which is a, a very good way to start your week one, regardless of not maxing a, a massive millimaker as well. So you mentioned the double stacks and we're going to hop into the optimizer in a second here. And again, I'll show you guys the whole process on the screen so you can kind of see what it looks like if you haven't played NFL DFS. And I'm going to pull the projections from Osmo and put them on the, the fantasy cruncher and go from there. But is there anything you're doing on a rule level and exposure level that you do every time out? Like, how do you approach that stuff? Because I honestly, for me, like one, that's been my weakest spot over the course of time where um, I had the NBA DFS wins that we talked about on this show and like had a nice run there. And part of what got me there was that I used an Excel spreadsheet, you know, sorted out a thousand lineups and then had it work out and that you know didn't pan out every time but that was what got me my big wins is there anything you're doing on fantasy cruncher because like i would like to be to not have to do the excel part like for me that's the part that i feel like i kind of have some errors in judgment here or some things that don't quite align the right way you know, sometimes there's just the stress too of like your dk you know player id is not lining up right and then you imp you import and it doesn't work but obviously that's a whole separate thing is there anything you would advocate for just doing it straight on fantasy cruncher that you would say like people don't do this but they should be doing it every time out yeah, so I think uh, some people just jump to rules right off the bat. I tend to like look at immediately what like the optimal um, lineups are. What what's the chalk going to be look like in just like roster builds? Like try to see what that's just going to roll out. So like if you just roll out the stochastic optimal, what that is, and then because that more times than not those players are going to be the most popular players in their tournament. And then I'll go back and scroll in the salary and see what pivots are available. Are there pivots who have much greater ceilings? Uh, I think a very common one was, uh, I think Marcus Valdez Cantling on like he would always be priced around 5K, but Jarvis Landry's 5K. Marcus Valdez Cantling can put up zero or 30, while Landry you expect him to put on around like eight or 15. Just like I'm looking for like the high ceiling players off the chalky, less volatile players that I can pivot to in lineups. Now that sometimes uh, makes me remove certain players from player pools, and then. Now, in terms of the filtration aspect of it, yes, there is Excel involved. One easy way to do that is just seeing if you were to roll out a bunch of, like, uh, if you were to build like 100 lineups, you can sort by total ownership. But now, now like, it seems like a lot of people are, sharp people are looking to do uh, product of ownership. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the team at uh, Stochastic, Sean Zahn brought up a great, uh, uh, great uh art not argument but a great uh hypothesis to why that could be not the best thing to look at uh at product of uh, ownership just because it might skew, skew your total ownership some that if you're using that as the filter it out uh so got to be a little cautious there as well a lot of people are pushing for the product of ownership i think there is a fine line of total sum of ownership and product of ownership that i think you need to find that balance between uh in the NFL DFS because of your team team stack and the correlation it's providing when the ownership is uh, spinning that out. 
So that's some pretty high-level stuff. And I actually did see, I think, ETR tweeted out something this week where I think Levitan tweeted it out, but with Anthony Amico, who I think we've... No, I don't know ship chasing with Amico, but a very sharp guy over at ETR as well who does some good data analysis. And he was talking about that too, where I think they had found the biggest winners had pretty big, uh, discrepancy between the product of ownership and the sum of ownership and how I think the sum of ownership remained flat relative to like the projections. and I, I, I might be completely misquoting this one, but it was like an interesting thing that did talk about the comparison point. And as we talked about a little bit, I think before the show, like ETR is about as mainstream as get now a lot of people are following that pretty aggressively if they are just football fans they found it through either silver or levitan or whatever the case may be um is that like you're talking about a balance between the two like how would you weight that balance and not to be you know too specific necessarily but like are you using a fractional amount of the product ownership and then combining it with the sum ownership like what would you look at for that yeah so just in general my process of over the years has not been very uh ownership projection heavy it's never been that that's something I'm trying to also improve upon. Um, I I don't know what it is because I've never done this. And I've been like studying a bit more this offseason of what that could look like. And part of me, um, how I figure out my NBA process is one week I would test out total ownership. And next week I'd have to test out product ownership and see what lineups are spinning out good. Why is that spinning out the way it is? The only way I, I've always learned my uh, DFS process is just to test it out. And in week one, ownership projections on sites, uh, we'll see how accurate they are just because of how big these price pools are. Mm-hmm. I uh, I tend to shy away a tad bit, especially for week one, just like I'll know like what the optimal lineups are spitting out and I'll just consider those are the chalky players and maybe some of them are good. Like Jalen Hurts is an exceptional matchup, for example, this week against Detroit. Does he provide you that super ceiling with his receiving counterparts? Um like a Justin Herbert in a great environment in Vegas, a Mahomes in a great environment in Arizona, I'd say no. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be keen to playing Jalen Hurts as much this week, even though a great matchup, great cash game quarterback. But going back to the ownership thing like that, that's how I kind of pivot away from chalky ownership. It's just like applying the intuition and like the balance between quantitative and qualitative in NFL is such a fine line. So I don't want to get bogged down too much in the ownership like uh process because every person i I, i'm sure there's a ton of people who have one ownership process and they just strictly follow it and it probably has worked out for them i personally haven't been able to find like the adequate ownership projection process yet where that's probably my biggest weakness in my old dfs game is maybe i probably do roll out lineups are a little too chalky to even have a chance and why i say to find that fine line between total ownership sun and uh ownership product as i uh i want to build up the verbatim thing so i don't misspeak on why uh he uh why i think looking at that issue of multiplying ownership percentage because i'm going to verbatimly speak what sean had told our team was because ownership is independent due to stacking and salary constraints for example if baker mayfield's five percent owned and uh, dj moore is eight percent owned chances are greater than 50 percent of those mayfield lineups have more so multiplying these two would undershoot the ownership compared to the lineup with Mayfield and an unstacked 8% owned wide receiver. So it's a bit high level stuff, but that's why I think that is the one issue with multiplying total product. I can send you this uh, uh, just so you have reference to it. Yeah, I'd be curious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. And I know with the NFL, certainly the volatility being there, like, do you have any ownership caps overall? Like you, 
and I think we've talked about NBA DFS. We've actually probably talked about it on a show. There are guys at NBA DFS where you could put in hundred percent and not feel bad about it. Cause they have such a high a likely outcome to occur. Is there any situation in NFL where you would go hundred percent on a guy or is it like, I feel like yeah, I've seen I, I, players have a cap. Me like personally, I have, I've, I've done this multiple times where I'll okay. play hundred percent of a player. Um, where I probably have done it wrong. I've done it with quarterbacks that I'm just in love with at the matchup mm-hmm. and I'll just let it ride. Where I probably have done a mistake in the past is not taking advantage of like that late um, swap, well, not late mm-hmm. new situation, the Dalvin Cook to Alvin, uh, Alexander Madison. Uh, we had a couple of those where Dalvin Cook was constantly questionable and then Alexander Madison was under was uh, underpriced. And I think you just got to jam, uh, jam him in. Uh, like sometimes he's just such a great play at the men. You just jam him in. That's where I probably just like take the points there and let your process and your diversification of your position players just do do the rest. It's, it sounds a lot easier than it's uh, than the results will show, but I do think it's okay playing 100%. To win big in NFL DFS with these top-heavy prize pools, I do think you have to make aggressive stands at some point uh, just to give your shot to win big when you have everything go right for you. And like, yeah. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the best situation just to have like 25% of like cap of your positional players. I personally don't think that maybe there's data out there that will suggest otherwise. I'm happy to entertain and take a look at that. But from a playing perspective, I just want to put myself when I have my, my balance of quantitative, qualitative and my intuition, right. I just want to win everything I can uh, with also like some diversification along the way. I'm not going to come one through 10 in my tournaments. I'm okay coming like second and then maybe a hundred, like, but still if I made that aggressive stand, those players do work out. I hope it works out for me. That's how I approach NFL DFS. Um, It's, it's a very boomer bust uh, NFL process for me, but I just like with so many limited weeks, I I just want to, shoot my shot a little bit more. So I have the projections up on the screen from Stochastic, which of course you can get for yourself at stochastic.com, S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C.com. And of course, check out their YouTube channel as well, where they're doing lots of great content with some of my friends as well. Um, lots of great work being done over there. I'm pulling up the Vegas totals here real fast. Were you surprised by some of these Vegas totals? Like obviously, you know, the Chiefs game versus Arizona that kind of feels like a track meet game. Maybe surprising that they're a six-point favorite on the road, but still over 53, like that seems fair. 52 for Vegas. But some of these other ones, like 44 and a half for the Jets and Baltimore, like I guess you know the Ravens we know historically the public does tend to find them to be a good defense even if you know we'll see what happens this year Joe Flacco being QB probably wouldn't help like Pittsburgh Cincinnati New Orleans Atlanta um I think also what San Francisco Chicago stands out to me is 40.5 like do these totals seem low to you and if they do seem low to you just like kind of eyeballing them like are you willing to then take like a stack from San Francisco Chicago or are you just going no because this total's so low that even if they were adjusting for variance and Vegas being somewhat wrong it's like a 45-point game instead of a 42-point game. Yeah, and I, I think what sometimes do people do get a little um, where might get like a little caught off guard with Vegas settles. They also, there's a salary component to this as well, right? Like I haven't looked at what a Trey Lance, a George Kittle stack, or you know, San Francisco is so weird just because of how they operate Debo Samuel. It's like, it's not a very stack-friendly team. Uh, it's just like uh, with Trey Lance now in the picture, He's going to run a lot for sure. And he's a very good uh, fantasy quarterback, exceptional season long basketball uh, quarterback. If you get him at the right value. Now, is he a good DFS quarterback on a main slate where his stacking components are George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Devo Samuel? 
and when they run so much in uh, San Francisco offense, I personally don't think so. So like, I'm like shying away from that team. If I fall on Debo or Ayuk, sure, in some laps, I'm not trying to aggressively get to them, especially in a week one setting where I think a lot of casuals, like, oh, they'll be like in, uh, really excited by Trey Lance and I think he'll be over-owned. So I'll, I'll just shy away in that, that type of situation. Now, in a situation where can we expose this is, I'll look at matchups specifically. What teams have really bad secondaries? How can I get my wide receivers to have that ceiling game when no one is expecting it? try to target like weak secondaries and obviously there's a reason why um vegas and uh surprise uh vegas and chargers are so so high i think that's a really high total just because of how they made operate their offenses but it makes sense that uh they they were the last regular season right where i think their coach chose to like not take the tie and uh it was the yeah. last game of the season. Brandon Staley is the most like aggressive coach. Yeah. I know this from our football outsiders research, but like he goes for it on fourth down at a higher rate than anybody. I think besides like Dan Campbell, urban Meyer is also going for it a lot. But yeah, like, you know, Staley's aggressiveness, I think is an interesting thing that like you can't quantify it for fantasy, but ultimately like he's going to make possessions stay alive longer because he's going for it. Also probably gives you a chance to get more, you know, goal line touchdowns rather than taking the field goal. Mm-hmm. So like, those are things that you could probably account for. I worry about that game a little bit. Cause I love the Raiders overall. Like I've talked a lot about for best ball, my Raiders, Niners week 17 I'm all about that that said this Chargers defense like is deeply improved they added Khalil Mack too and it's one of those things where like if I were gonna poke some holes in any of these games like it's hard for me to see Kansas City Arizona not be high scoring but I think there's a world where the Chargers defense is actually pretty good and they just don't have to have Herbert throw for 400 yards to actually get a win for sure and I agree with you and this makes a lot of sense with your thing I worked with this uh like a data wizard who's actually a senior at the University of Michigan I had him uh skew up some expected drop back quarterback drop back data for me for week one and justin herbert ranks as the number one expected mean projected uh quarterback drop back this week so that makes sense with the brand uh, i have that on my twitter uh feed if you guys want to check that out i have the first five for week one we'll try to uh, work on uh rolling out more throughout the season so um stuff like trying to target quarterbacks we're just going to throw more it just makes the stack correlation work out for tournaments specifically Cash games, I'm not really trying to stack. I'm just trying to jam in the best point-per-dollar value plays and uh, the best plays on the board uh, with good outcomes uh, along the way. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, good. If you have a point, go ahead. Yeah, no. Looking back at um, the situation, also, it's also recency bias is so big in NFL. Like, if uh, Mahomes has a bad week in week uh, game in week one and he's on the main slate in week two, if he is, I don't know if he is, it's just like naturally his ownership just like will plummet. It's just like people are so – their recency bias exists probably the highest in NFL than any sport that's left in DFS right now because people's data and process have gotten so sound in MLB and NBA. They're just rolling out good lineups where recency bias is not as uh, prominent as is in NFL. So I still think we don't get to take advantage of that in week one, but uh, just, just keep that in mind in future weeks ahead. Just I, I do think recency bias will be really high. So we're going to hop over to Fantasy Crunch with these projections now, but I did pull up Trey Lance, and I'm curious how you would view this right here where we have on the screen Trey Lance's salary, 6K on DraftKings. Uh, Stochastic Hasman is having a, a 1776 projection here. So great independence for Trey Lance of all, thing, of all things going for him, if not the actual uh, output against that, that Bears defense that apparently will be good this year. But Tua, you got right there. Kirk Cousins, you got right there. Mac Jones, you've got right there. So if, let's say Trey Lance were projected to be 25% owned, you know, let's say aggregate across ETR, Stochastic, Roto-Grinders, wherever. Would you just heavy up then on Tua, Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones? Would you go to a different price point? Like what would jump out to you as the first move you could make? 
So I would first uh, try to funnel funnel down because in tournaments I'm looking to stack and seeing what the game environments look like. I would, uh, yeah, I would probably go to Kirk Cousins and give me Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson over mm-hmm. Trey Lance and someone else. Like, I think you would agree with me there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I can do Mac Jones uh, <laughs> right away, but that Mac Jones Devontae Parker stack everybody's dying for. <laughs> <laughs> the double stack with double uh, with Hunter Henry as well. <laughs> but uh, I mean, those are like those are the type of decisions you got to take now. Daniel Jones uh, with the Brian Dable. I really respect Brian Dable, and I I don't know if Daniel Jones can be great. Like, can he take that Josh Allen leap? You were the first guy who was truthing Josh Allen. You deserve all the credit for that. Ryan, I'm glad you know that because the people who are watching this stream don't know. But boy, that I was on a limb you, you, for that you, one. There was a there was I think the Bills were three uh, I think like two touchdown underdogs against the Vikings in I think 2018, and you were. You went full force, like you got. You, I believe in Josh Allen, and since then he has never looked back. So I, you deserve all the credit for that. You were. You just needed the, the faith from me. I think was really the the chip he was looking for. Uh, but yeah, like I, you know, I think Daniel Jones is live. Five K actually might pop uh, pop up in an optimizer. But let's let's import this here, and you're going to see the process here. You, I just grabbed the copy button on Stochastic as I fumble around to click here. I'm going to upload it directly into Fantasy Cruncher. Uh, Ryan, tell me if, as I do this, by the way, is there anything I'm doing wrong right away? Should I should I not be pacing it in this way? Because I'm ready to be wrong about a variety of things. I, I usually just like a backspace and delete those two columns and upload. And let's see. Uh, oh, Troy Hairston. Okay. I don't I don't know who that is, but I'm sure he's very important. Projections are probably going to update uh, throughout um, before Sunday. Uh, so change the slate. Did you put the week one main slate? Oh, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I selected that. Okay, uh, oh, no. Never mind. It defaults to the Thursday Monday. Interesting. Yeah. Nice improvements to Fantasy Cruncher, too. And again, Fantasy Cruncher, I, I would advocate for being the lead optimizer. I, I assume this is the one you still use for everything, yeah. right, Ryan? No, yes. Yeah, I currently still yeah, use it. Yes. And you get that with a stochastic membership, too. So make sure to, to give that a shot as well. We have some uh, stochastic deals, by the way. I should mind as well plug. So if you oh, yeah, go, go stochastic.com slash promos. Uh, you will get uh, if you use promo code Scramble seven days for seven days uh, for seven dollars with Stochastic Plus, and we have some exciting new tools. Like there's a lineup generator for you guys who hand build some one v one, two v two comparison builds. Uh, those are very exciting as well. Uh, maybe we can show that at the end of the stream. Uh, I think yeah. people who hand build, which I think majority of our audience might, it is an awesome tool for you guys to use. So we can talk through that at the end of the show. Now. So- so with this process, what would you do as this first step to see the optimal? Would you just put in one or would you put in a bunch and then just sort by the I'll highest? I'll put number? out uh, 20 to 25. Let's put out 20. Let's see. Let's do 20. So we're doing 20 here. You can see the cruncher going for itself. Of course, optimizing right before our eyes. We have no rules set, so it won't stack or anything. But it, let's see. Sort by the most projected. Okay, so this is our optimal according to the stochastic projections. Jalen Hurts, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Jacoby Myers, Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony, Dallas Goddard, Saquon Barkley, Steelers. Anything jump out to you, Ryan, when you look at this? Um, I do see two Giants there in a Tennessee matchup uh, on the road. Um, in a, I have no issues rolling this out in cash. There's a reason why it's the highest projected lineup. Uh, all their data, the stochastic data team has put in long hours, so... Let's see what the difference between lineup one and lineup two is and what the point differential is. Sometimes they're the same. Uh, sometimes the point projection is the same. So uh, that might happen. What's the point differential? I can't. So 0.06, it looks like. And the difference is that there is Kelsey and Marquise Brown instead of McCaffrey and Goddard. Gotcha. So McCaffrey and a Cleveland Browns matchup. And now we get... Uh, we still get Taylor. The first lineup, you have a nice floor with Taylor and McCaffrey, which is 
pretty solid for a cash build. And here you kind of get a weird little mini game correlation with Kelsey and two receivers on the back end of uh, Hollywood Brown. And uh, is that Rondell Moore in the... Uh... Yeah, Rondell Moore. And it feels like here this is a spot where if you, I mean, you put in, you know, Kyler Murray, I would think this lineup starts to make a little more sense. Yeah. And that's where you would have to shift around some pricing here. So when you're hand building, by you just importing Kyler Murray and just changing someone else's you just like your lineup is going to be obvious duplication is not that big of a factor in um, main slate dfs but your ownership like your lineup uniqueness is just going to be so much greater by just adding kyler murray just because of how popular hurts is going to be this weekend he's in a great matchup everything checks the box for him to be a great cash game lineup like jalen hurts is my cat will be my cash game lineup if i am playing cash on DraftKings this weekend and i think you would agree everything just checks the box for him Exceptional goal line usage for him. I think Mike Clay had him at 14 expected touchdowns on the ground, I believe, last year. So he uh, grades out to be a great cash game play. Now, if you're trying to win a tournament, you got a Kyler Murray, a double stack with a Kelsey bring back. Kelsey, you can argue, will have a very good, probably maybe the highest target share with no Tyreek Hill this season. Andy, Andy Reid gets him involved. Now, I don't think the pricing works out. I think the pricing we need to shave down. So someone who is inconsistent, uh, doesn't have the greatest ceiling. So what what happens if we change uh, Saquon Barkley? I would say, but keeping Kyler Murray at QB and not Hurts. Yeah, but this okay. is like a tournament build. Like if you were so to we're, build a tournament, so I guess Ceh seems like he would pop up. Uh, Antonio yeah. Gibson, Montgomery, Ramondre. Uh, yeah, let's let's put in Gibson, uh, Antonio Gibson, and now obviously your point differential has dropped a decent amount. I bet. What's the point differential? I can't. Remember. Yeah, I think it's now down six or no, down seven from the optimal. Down sevens, but I think I would. I think we would both come to agreement here. The ceiling is much greater with this lineup. Antonio Gibson in a Jacksonville matchup. Jacksonville is by no means a strong team, but like I have no issues rolling this out in a three entry max or like the Millie Maker. I think this lineup makes a lot of sense. Double stack. Rondell Moore is expected to be heavily involved. Not heavily involved. More involved than he was last year. Jacoby Myers. Uh, I don't know if Jacoby Myers is going to get that tough cornerback matchup in uh, Miami but is this uh, one of those things too where like this kind of lineup for like a spy let's say where it's a single entry and you're a little bit off from a cash lineup but you know making some meaningful pivots is that the kind of lineup you'd want to put into that yeah I, I have no issues putting this in like even a high dollar lineup because I can pinpoint can Colin Murray be QB1 yes Jonathan Taylor obviously I'm okay rolling I mean versus Houston it was just like free money running backs versus Houston last year Antonio Gibson, uh, people, I think, deserves a little bit more chatter with no Brian Robinson mm. uh, and can be heavily involved in the run game. The one thing we got to keep in mind this year, Carson Wentz does not check down. He does not check down to the running back as much. He's like anti-check down uh, a little bit. So I, I think Robinson, can he be the best value running back against the Jacksonville matchup? The matchup works for him. I'm okay with the price tag. And if you're hand-building, this is what how I – if I was hand building lineups for like a high uh, a high dollar lineup, this is how I just like look at it. Okay, does he have the upside to give me two touchdowns on the ground versus Jacksonville? Um, they can easily win the game. Yeah, uh, game script in his favor. Now on the wide receivers, can the, do these guys have high enough volume? Going to Jacoby Myers, 
what are some pivots around Myers? Because he's going to be popular at that price tag just because of what's working out here. Oh, got the ageless AJ Green. We got Jahan Dotson. If we want to heavy up on uh, on our Washington Commanders, Alec Pierce. That, that feels like that runs a little bit counter to the Jonathan Taylor, perhaps. Um, Marvin Jones. Any of these guys? Would they be a meaningful pivot for you that you'd want to take? Um, I don't mind Marvin Jones as a pivot. Uh, keep in mind you are leaving. Oh yeah. Uh, and a little bit of correlation with Gibson there. Yeah, there, there is some inner game correlation. Now, this inner game correlation is not something I force in. I, I haven't studied or back tested data enough. Inner game correlation, like opposing wide receiver to the running back. Like, should your Jonathan Taylor lineups have Brandon Cooks? I mean, I, I don't think so. I think you're completely fine without not having Brandon Cooks in that lineup. But people can make arguments. Oh, you need him because of like if Taylor's having a great game, Cooks on the bring back. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that's needed. Uh, double stack with Moore and Marquise Brown. No issues there. Uh, who are the other options in Cal uh, and uh, in uh, the Cardinals that they have? Important use situation for this lineup to keep an eye on. With no, if Zach Ertz is out that day, it can only help Hollywood Brown and uh, Rondell Moore. Zach Ertz is one of was one of Kyler Murray's favorite targets throughout the season last year. I don't know who the backup uh, tight end is. It's either Trey McBride or Max Williams. I, I think I'm it's probably McBride. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, either guy could go. Like McBride's probably the guy who plays by the end of the year, but it could be Max Williams to start the year. Yeah, Williams is coming back, uh, coming off a leg injury as well. So uh, I think he did tear his ACL last year. That's why they traded for Ertz. So not, not I'm aggressively going for. Can Travis Kelsey? Sorry, so, I mean to cut you off. Is there anything that you would observe here with like the actual exposures in these optimals where it is 100% Rondale Moore? He's probably going to be with the chalkiest plays in the week. Kadarius Tony also underpriced at 4,100 now that he's fully healthy. He's 100% here. Like, does that help decide what you do for when you're batch entering, you know, the 150 to 300 lineups you might be doing in a given week? Yeah. So I think now one thing I will do is like scroll up to the top and see what guys are in that price range. If it's okay. just like, uh, like we've been seeing this. Who's like in Kadarius Tony's price range? Uh, so let's see. We got uh, at the fork. Oh, there's okay. Let me show more players here. All right. So we're at the 4,000 range. So we got Tony here. You can see on the screen, I guess we have Pivots and Pickens, who's pretty popular in best ball. Zay Jones, another guy who's uh, started to be a little more popular in best ball. Um, LaVisca, of course, I'm sure Pete's smiling, smiling from the heavens right now in Vegas, seeing LaVisca on here, Alec Pierce, 3,900, a rookie. People don't want to take the flyers on him, even though I think he's certainly got a lot of upside here. Um, what did these guys stand out to you? And, and I guess like, or is it a question then of you just splitting, like maybe you still get 50% Tony, but then you take 25, you know, or let's say not 25, 10% of Alec Pierce, 10% of Zay Jones, 10% of Pickens. Is that anything you would do? Or is it just, you kind of let the optimizer do the work? I kind of let the optimizer do the work. And especially when you're building um, a bunch of lineups, if you want to build a bunch of lineups fast, we can throw in some randomness uh, as well. If you want to, that can definitely change the core, uh, ownerships a little bit. Now, just based off these stochastic projections, like with with week one, with so many people building lineups as they're taking the shit, I don't expect these guys to be super popular. I, I do think they'll be highly owned. It will be shocking me if we see anyone north of 40% in week one, just because of how big that tournament is mm -hmm. and how um, how soft and the competition should be. Like there will not be 892,000 good lineups. Like it's just, it's just not going to be the case. 
Yeah, also uh, Brandon pointing out here that Pickens might get some steam if Deontay is out. That definitely seems like the kind of thought process that a lot of people will have, especially as a casual. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like it's hard to imagine more and Tony projecting any worse. Like they they're like the best values by a wide margin. For I sure. guess it's a question I have for you, Ryan, overall in general. Like, with are you more inclined to pivot off of a running back, a wide receiver, or is it just relatively agnostic? Usually wide receiver. I usually with chalky wide receivers. I tend to pivot off. It burned me quite a bit last year. Like I was, I was aggressively trying to pivot off wide receivers, and that will naturally happen to your stack exposures if you're aggressively heavy on one stack. Let's say you are heavy on the Lance double stack for some reason this week. It just naturally you're just going to have a very very unique portfolio of lineups. It just goes like I don't know how many people are double stacking with Lance this week. Mm. Uh, it just I don't think that's the case. Um, let alone, let's like, sometimes it's really tough to fit in a double stack, like the Herbert double stack with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Like, what does that look like price-wise? Who are we getting? Let's let, let's just see the optimal, like, uh, Herbert double stack with Keenan and, uh, Mike Will. Let's see. So we'll lock in Herbert. We'll lock in, um, Mike, no, it's not, not Mike White. We probably don't want to lock in Mike White. (laughs) Um, or maybe we do, you know, Joe Flacco gets benched. Maybe there's a world where Mike White is the guy you need in week one. Revenge um, game for Joe Flacco, if you're wondering. All right. All right, so let's see what this one is. These are expensive wide receivers, right? And you yeah, still, I mean, yeah, nice still, price points. Yeah, you're still getting, you're, you're forcing yourself to spend down in tight end. Like almost, if you're double stacking this, almost no lineups will have Travis Kelsey. Like it just like doesn't make like not many lineups if you're running an optimizer. Oh, well, I'm wrong. Yeah, three here. Three, yeah. yeah. But like, get, yeah. I mean, which doesn't look bad. CEH and Kelsey in a high scoring game with more coming back. Like that feels like a not bad lineup, even though um, you're certainly paying some steep price tags for the main stack. Yeah. The one thing uh, uh, I need to look into, like I can't, I think it's completely fine having, there was a time period where I was like aggressively like, I would do. I don't think I would. Like, can can Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have tournament winning games without Justin Herbert having that upside in PPR setting? Point one point PPR setting. I think it's like I don't aggressively like to make a rule not to have two wide receivers from the same team without quarterback. Maybe that's a mistake that I'm doing. I need to look into that. A lot of people will like not uh, have two pass catchers without the quarterback. If that makes sense, like they will make sure. If you're having two pass catchers in your lineup, it is with the quarterback. So with teams going so passing heavy now, I think I'm okay with just like landing on them. Like I I think I can, if I really want to have a Kyler Murray double stack with these two guys in that great game environment, I'm fine with it. Maybe that's an afternoon only. Like the afternoon only slate is bonkers with those two games. I feel like you've always been really a late slate kind of guy. The the micro slates, the shorter slates, where you can get the different exposures and really target an angle more. Um, is that something that you like? You've made part of your plan of attack for this year, or is that just more like you're playing heavy volume for the main slate, and you just happen to play heavy volume for the afternoon slate as well? Yeah, I, I think just like just trying to take advantage of potentially the week one softer competition. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what I'm hoping for. Um, because it'll go away come week seven, week eight. That's, I think, being too generous. Come like week four, it's probably gone. Um, 
So let, let's crunch a full batch of lineups here. Yeah. And I'm curious what you would do in terms of rules and things like that, where um, for me, like I do, I mean, I, I usually set a minimum salary, but like it doesn't probably matter that much, but I'll, I'll set it for 4,300. So one thing I, I do think uh, with a lot of pricing mistakes in week one, I don't think you need to have a minimum salary. Okay, interesting. All right, Because the reason why I say that um, is almost all the optimals we saw are near, I don't know what it was like, near 49,000, 50,000. But I, I do think there is a pathway. So there are probably, I don't know how, I need to like narrow down my player pool, but there's probably some pathway where Kadiris Tony is outscoring multiple 6K plus receivers just because of his price tag and mm-hmm. like game environment. So I think organically you'll get lineups north of 49K just in general, just because of projections, how they're ironed out. It's, uh, but I think, I, I think especially in NFL, if you're like, spending less than 48k or 48.5 or even 48.9 or 49k like on a regular main slate i I think that's when you can put in the uh salary cap i have to look at it by side by side but i I think if we're going to build out 150 lineups right now i don't think we'll get many lineups sub 48.5 even uh just the way it works out so all right so we won't do that one flex position are we limiting to wide receiver uh no i think you're fine with running back wide receiver tight end i I think that's just naturally um, and then exposure caps. I feel like this is sometimes things people, anyway, we're going to be really basic here, guys. So if you're brand new to the fantasy cruncher, hopefully you can guys can build some good lineups for week one. Um, after each lineup's created based on number of lineups requested, do you have any preference? I, I just do the first one after each lineup is created. Okay. And you talked about randomness. Uh, yeah. What percentage of random? Cause randomness is definitely, I feel like a personal choice thing for some yeah. people where you're going to get more weird lineups. If you add more randomness, um, some people still use classic, even though fantasy cruncher has the pro version with a normal distribution. Uh, what would you advocate for here? Um, uh, realistically there, there is like people have processes of like having one for individual Mm -hmm. players for the sake of demonstration. Let's just roll out, uh, 30, uh, yeah, let's just do 33 for sake of speed. 33. All right. Change all players. Um, we don't need any thumbs down minimum, uh, minimum projection doesn't. And I guess, uh, just like for like educational purposes, like the normal distribution curve, like a 33% randomness is let's say if someone has a, Projection of 30, the optimizer will spit out um, the projected player to have anywhere between 20 and 40 points, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, Stacking and rules. What are we doing on that front where you do have the positional stacks where you could set the rules? Mm -hmm. You also have the team stack version on Fantasy Cruncher. Are you doing either? I I usually do position stacks. So quarterback with at least uh, two wide receivers. If you want to do it, I think, yeah, two wide receiver tight end and... That's the double stack, super high correlation. You can certainly just do one wide receiver tight end. Um, but then you got to be careful. If you do one wide receiver tight end, I really don't want Kirk Cousins to Irv Smith just like that. Like It just doesn't make any sense. Really. Really yeah, there you want the Justin Jefferson, ideally. That's some, that does happen in an optimizer where you'll get the late, yeah. you know, KJ Osborne, Irv Smith, and that's, mm-hmm. that can pan out, but it's not the most likely. Yeah, So and then if you want to get more specific, you can make rules saying, do not have only just Kirk Cousins and Herb Smith in that lineup. Okay, so that, yeah. So that would be more of a, a a separate rule then, right? Yeah, that would be a groups rule actually. Okay. All right. So then, so we got this one. Any other rules you would put in? No running backs from the same team. Do you care about that, or does that not matter? Or you know, running backs from the same game. I know that's something people uh, tend to find. Yeah, minus and I mean, running backs from the same team. Sure, we could put that in, but I, okay. I, I don't even. I think the projection is just like wouldn't iron it out. Maybe you get Dylan and eight, uh, Aaron Jones on the same team, but, uh, same, 
uh, same lineup. So, and you wouldn't limit based on what you were saying before about the chargers thing with Kyler Murray, you wouldn't limit the wide receivers to be paired. Like you could only get two with when paired with the QB, you would be willing to take them. Um, even if they're not paired with the QB. I'm willing to take them. Uh, I'm willing to do that, uh, this season. Now I'm even willing to even do that more in smaller slates, like the afternoon four game slates later on the season, like where there's less teams to, uh, uh, pick from. So, now in a main slate, I think you can make an argument. You don't need to do that. Um, but let's see what the lineups just roll out uh, based off. Okay. Our, off my and nothing else you'd put in then as like a core defining point. Core defining point. No, like, I think no for other rules, no other you know percentages or anything like that. Uh, for uh, I think for you can uh, I would uh, actually you talked about ownership caps. Maybe I do cap ownership on defenses. So uh, if you just want to just like go to the Df- DST column on Fantasy Cruncher. Oh wait, okay. Go to uh, DST Fantasy Cruncher, and then I don't see any like outstanding defense. Like we don't get like like a, like a solid two K play. So I would go to Exposure on the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I would just let's just make it for the sake of demonstration. No higher than uh, uh, let's just make it fifteen, just for okay. demonstration, just for All these right. twenty six uh, teams in play. All right, there we go. All right, we're good there. And then how many laps should we be crunching for this experiment? Uh, let's just uh, let's just whip out a quick uh, let's just let's just chat and like whip out a quick five hundred, I guess. Uh, I All think. right, so let's see five not five thousand. Five hundred <laughs> is generally the max on fantasy culture, unless that's changed in the last few months. And you can see it building it before your eyes. Of course, moving faster because we have the randomness. If you don't have the randomness on, it will go slower. But you, you wouldn't normally do any sort of optimization without randomness on, right? Like if you're trying to build actual GPP lineups. Actual GPP line. If I'm hand building lineups, I will have randomness off. Okay, got it. If I'm hand building, like if I like an entry in a high stakes build, if I just want to like see what it like it looks like. So I have like a more like a manual process for that. Now, if I'm trying to get a bunch of lineups out, like for example, right now, like okay, we're getting a lot of two receivers. Like, do I want my whole week one weekend to be dependent on Rondell Moore and Kadarius Tony at this high of an ownership? I don't feel that confident in that just because I see also Saquon Barkley. Can Barkley and Tony both have tournament winning games in your lineup? sure but does it happen uh how many times does it really happen in a hundred times like how many lineups do we have both we'll see uh, once we have 500 is done we'll see how many lineups have both tony and saquon like it's going to be a significant number it's going to be well over 100 and i don't think that happens that often yeah so that is a lot of more coming up like so when you see this happen ryan do you then think about applying an exposure cap or are you just going to pull out the less more line well the less is more lineups <laughs> in the in the overall optimization here so what i will end up doing is i i i just i generally want to see what quarterbacks i'm getting so okay. uh, i think quarterback dictation is the key because we have a very like steadfast rule set in right quarterbacks mm-hmm. with two uh, receivers so I, I'm assuming it's going to be Hertz and Murray up top. Daniel Jones, who we spoke on earlier, uh, hmm. is getting a double stack. I'm assuming with because uh, it's coming up. Oh, Wandale and Kadir Sony. Wandale three K flat. I could see definitely popping up depending on the projection they're using. And I think a Wandale, if you're hand building a lineup, I think is a great pivot off of Kadir Sony. Like Wandale's been healthy. Kadir Sony. Kind of an interesting character uh, in his own right. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get with him, it seems like. But uh, yeah, Wondell 3K in a Tennessee matchup. Henry on the run back. See, like there's a game script kind of makes sense uh, there. Um, just seeing like what these lineups spit out. And then it's like, okay, now that we got to, 
then let, let's X this out. And who are we not getting exposure to? Who are we missing out on based on our ownership projections uh, up top? So we're getting a lot of Hurts, Kyler Murray. Those guys are definitely heavily owned. We're getting some Mahomes. Who are we getting with Lamar Jackson in a Jets matchup? Well, Lamar double stack is always very concerning to me. Yes, he's been throwing more over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, Bateman really? and Andrews feels like a nice duo, though. Likely is one of those guys that I wouldn't be shocked to see the ownership start to rise on him because yeah. I think he's 2,500 and people have been buzzing about him enough that he'll probably be higher owned than he should be relative to like a DFS late. Yeah, and an easy way to just like um, change up diversification right now. So let's remove filter. Mm-hmm. And let's go to advanced settings. Okay. And let's uh, up the uniques. Let's just up it to two, two uniques. Okay. And then let's see what rolls out here. It's going to be, right. oh, I think it'll be a little less. Or if you want to be a more diversified portfolio with your with those guys, a much lower. Um, we could, we probably should have done a look, maybe three, just to see, just like to show like yeah. the more uniques you have, the more diversified your portfolio might look like. So, and then one thing that is important to see, uh, the reason why, like, okay, you you will know if you see, uh, you change the view button on Fantasy Cruncher. It will show you the projection it used to spit out. So yeah, projection used. So this is the reason why that lineup is coming up. It's because of that projection it spit out for that player based on the randomness we used. So that's how you know what lineup it is, uh, what's showing up there and why it's showing up. It's just not completely random. There is the... Uh, output aspect of that player based on the randomness we chose. Do you ever sort by like random projection? Because that was something I was playing with a little bit with NBA before we had the baby and I don't know that it was working out, but I was just curious to see how it would go. And it did make some different lineups that I thought captured the standard deviations well, but is that something you would do or are you just mostly sorting? I mean, a manual sort, I'm sure it seems like for a lot of what you're doing, but um, like how do you sort that these out and choose your 150 that you're going to go with? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just like, uh, it's not that I, I would sort that. I'm just like trusting the randomness and the normal distribution that's mm-hmm. already inbuilt in the software. Um, it's, it's really tough to probably have built that out randomly. Yeah. So um, now one thing to see here, we we're still getting a shit ton of Rondell Moore and Kadiri. <laughs> yeah, well, Rondell Moore is not going away. He is there. The fantasy cruncher and stochastic projections are buying in on him being the new Christian Kirk. And I support that theoretically, but it does feel like I'm with you. 4k Rondell Moore seems like too easy of a play and a yeah. wide receiver. I feel like that does tend to bite you in the ass the most. Yeah, and uh, Rondo Moore obviously has the ceiling to put up. I don't know if he, he used to return kicks last year. I don't know if he's still going to return kicks, but a little bit difference of uh, ownership now. Um, but in, when I'm building this out, I got to keep constantly building out projections, uh, not projections, uh, portfolios that seem to make more sense. I got to start then. I, I personally don't like how much um, more Anthony I'm getting, like, I want to be diversified a little bit more there, right? I don't need to be that aggressive with that pairing. Um, I would like to see what other receivers are there. Potentially, like, George Pickens might open up. I would like to get some exposure to him uh, later on. Like, right now, our wide receiver pool is very, very uh, small. Would you consider doing a just one rule of Tony and more, or is that not something you would normally deploy? I don't think I'd normally deploy. I'm certainly, I certainly think we can build um, unique and less-owned lineups with both of them in there. That would change on your double stack, I think. That, I think incorporating a double stack already would bring them down a little bit. Another thing that we can uh, change, obviously, is if you want to up the randomness, that will change things quite a bit as well. So 
what's, say, what's about the high you would put in a randomness for that? Let's double the randomness just to demonstrate. Ooh, okay. Let's see. Okay. We're, talk about living a little. People were saying that you were taking some of the David Kitchen live a little philosophy now. If we're doubling the randomness, we are living live. Yeah, if we do double the randomness a little bit here, so still getting a shit ton of Rondell Moore. But now it's like um, you're getting a little bit more uh, player usage. Six, 97 players have been used. Uh, can you go back to Crunch 4 and see how many players were used for that? Yep. We had... Oh, boy, this is taking all my computational power. There we go. 88. Yeah, only 88 players used. So, I mean, it's a pretty big player pool as is um, with 100. I'm, I tend to have higher player pools just in general. Uh, that's because I try to diversify my wide receivers a bit more than most people. And uh, I think it's completely fine to, like, X out player pools by that Sunday. And then additionally... Like this is a little bit more diversified just across the board, a lot less Rondell Moore. I think and I was just looking at the way Stochastic is uh, spitting out these projections, I personally might need to incorporate like a Rondell Moore cap just for him. Like I don't want more than like 50% Rondell Moore. I, I, th I still want to give my chance if like uh, Rondell Moore doesn't have a good game to still do well. And the reason why we're getting a lot of Rondell Moore is because I think Connor Murray also grades out to be a really good quarterback this week. And we go from there. Um, so then it's okay so we have our 500 here with the the randomness set to 66 percent on this one with the normal distribution mm -hmm. from the fantasy cruncher pro um what are we doing to get these 500 down to 150 are we combining some of the crunches are we taking just this one that we like more because it has less rondale more how do we do it from here so i think what you could easily do is um you can definitely combine crunches that's something that i probably should be doing like to diversify a bit more so I wonder, like, if we were to combine Crunch 5 and Crunch 4, how many duplicates we get? We probably get some, but not much. Let's see what happens. And then... So let's... Should I move the... Oh, I'll move them over. Yeah, you can move them to Crunch 4, yeah. Right. Or copy, crunch. whatever. It's faster, yeah. I don't know. It's faster. All right. But I, I have seen some people just, like, do this with different game script builds, like, and then combine them. And then we can then filter out... Um, via ownership and see what owner like the 100 uh the less well whatever the lowest 150 is in terms of sum and see what those look like i know what alex does sometimes he manually just like x's lineups out and then he'll fall on his final one yeah, i feel like i remember one of the uh the coaching sessions that were already uh that were done of course when he, like, are they still doing the office hours uh, no, I don't believe they are. Oh, I mean, yeah. they are in Discord. Uh, Steve Buzzer uh, does office hours in Discord. So, Got it. 23 lineups were duplicated, I believe. So, they didn't move over to Crunch 4. So, now Crunch 4 should have four hundred and seven, uh, 977 lineups with 124 players used. So, one thing I could do is when I try to filter out, let's go to quarterback. Okay. And uh, what double stack just grosses me out here? Probably a Mac Jones double, double stack grosses me out. I would just immediately uh, delete all 32 of those. Like, I don't want any. Really? Okay. For, for Mac Jones. Mac Jones getting a lot of love from people who, particularly people who live in the New England area, it seems like. So I would have to, uh, not, and I, I, I usually like hand, because like, I'm not very like good with Fantasy Cruncher, like, like the inner, inner settings. I would just like delete all 32 that just show up by hand. But right, that's there we go. So that would take some time. Delete the 32 yep. selected. All right. 
So would you do this just to save some time here? Would you do this with every QB then where you're just like the guys you don't like? So you don't want maybe the Trubisky double stack. Yeah. You don't want Justin Fields. You just get rid of those guys right away. Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, that, that like, it, and I'll probably draw the line at maybe a Wentz or, or having some Wentz in a Jacksonville matchup is completely fine. And then that will like filter out 600. And then I would do it for, I'll try to see like running backs that are popping up that I have no interest in as well. And then I'll like filter it out that way. And then this is probably, uh, I probably need to incorporate ownership here. It probably is probably just making me land on more chalky lineups because it's like filtering out low on players that aren't projecting great. But then I, I will find a way to fall on 150. It's kind of a manual process there. But you can definitely use uh, the ownership sum. To filter yeah, would you yeah. would you kill like the top 150 owned right away because i know that's that was what i was gonna say that alex i've seen do on live yeah before. That, that's fine i think that that you can completely do i i tend to do that in a more smaller uh smaller slate build because i think like with our rules that we've already in played i don't think these are extremely chalky lineups they're very good lineups with tournament winning upside in my opinion okay so let's see. So that's, oh, that was 15. I did not scroll. I thought I scrolled for 150 and that did not scroll nearly enough. <laughs> so let's see. All right. Select all lineups above. This is also a right click, by the way. If you guys aren't familiar with this on Fantasy Cruncher, you can select all lineups above by right clicking the, the checkbox and then going from there. Uh, let's see here. Let's, so we won't delete 150, Ryan. We'll delete 61. So you still okay. get some of your good chalky lineups, but not the highest, highest chalky lineups. Yep. All right. So let's do that. And then from here, how are we paring it down? Because this is going to put us down to like, yeah, 884. What do we do at this point? So um, there are multiple ways. You can do the owner. You can sort by the ownership and then just uh, take your chances with the uh, like the 150 lowest owned. Like, let's scroll up to the top. Let's. What is the lowest owned combination lineup that it, it's been spinning out? So, lowest owned. I'll switch this to ascending. Uh, It'll probably be some like low on quarterback double stack, maybe. Yeah. It's a two up. Mike Gesicki. That is going to be very low on. Yeah. Uh, this is there we go okay uh, we got kyler murray david montgomery derrick henry drake london brandon cooks aj green hunter henry marquis brown the jets we are getting a 121.5 projection ryan so we're pretty far off from that optimal how far off the optimal are you willing to go and how far what, what was the optimal again i believe it was 145 yeah that that is pretty far off i'm willing so i'm i'm yeah. a bit more widespread than most 20 seems a little too aggressive for me but uh because it's week one i don't think we need to go that much i think we could do uh i think 12 or 15 is fine okay so so that would be something then where we would sort by the projection and then we can cut out all the ones above how what was your marker again 15 yeah let's do 15 just uh probably easier right. that way so let's say 15 let's do it descending i mean 15 like it's uh the standard like what would be the standard deviation oh, no. <laughs> Uh, fantasy cruncher can't handle our optimizing this is how you know we're building the good stuff guys is when the <laughs> fantasy cruncher crashes out on you that's when you know you've you've achieved nirvana oh no hopefully it'll refresh i feel like the crunches always come back but yeah in terms of like the demo yeah the the reason why i'm okay with 15 is like week one a little bit more uncertainty like a lot of people's projections are based on some sort of bias based on depth chart or uh, based on some news. So I, I, I do think it's okay to have a little bit more widespread off the optimal. If that, if you, if that makes sense, would you agree with me on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like Alex has said the 10-point rule from the mm -hmm. optimal projection, and that's definitely been something I've tried to adhere to. But I don't think that's, like, a must by any stretch. Like, I think that's just a general marker. And, like, I definitely have probably gone a little more. I think I've actually gone 10% on the projection sometimes, especially for NBA. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit more widespread. I'm I'm also when I'm I'm also trying to find that wide receiver diamond in a rough. That's just how I play uh, NFL DFS at times. But right, so here we're going 15 under, so we can cut all the ones out from 130. Let's say. All right, so let's do that. Uh, select all lineups below. So what I'm doing here, just as we talked about, just removing the ones that are in fact. Uh, a little bit lower projected than we would like. It looks like it's only 59 lineups, so we're still going to have about uh, 800 and change here. So our final 800, Ryan, which ones get the final rows? So sometimes um, with how variance is, if I'm running short on time, I'll just let um, let pick a uh, pick a. Sometimes I I know some people just pick a random 150 from this. I think 825 is a bit too high, so I'd keep trying to filter out by player pool and go from there. So. At this rate, uh, if we just look, even if we look at the lineups, if we just look down here, is this a lineup that you think you're confident in that looks good in a tournament? I think so. I have no issues rolling this out in a tournament. It's a bit too chalky, I bet. It's a great, uh, I think it's a great, like, small field, like 25, 30 man field tournament lineup. Uh, Jalen Hurts double stack with Brown and Goddard, and you're getting the chalk in here. Like, it's like a cat, it's like pivots off the cash build that we saw, right? So, mm -hmm. this is this is a great small field tournament lineup. Uh, Larry asked a question here too. How long does this process normally take you, Ryan? How, how much time are you carving out when you are um, building? For I usually wake up at like four or 5 a.m. Sunday morning. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. you could see here, like, you know, this computer I have here actually, don't, don't tell Tom Ryan, this is the one that Osmo bought me <laughs> a couple of years ago, the gaming PC, which just stayed with me. I think it was a gift really to thank me for years of servitude, like a gold watch. Um, but I, it's definitely like a powerful computer. Really, and you can see I'm, like a little I'm, bit of a lag. Another reason like how my overall DFS portfolio gets diversified is I play on multiple sites. So organically, I'm just like putting in the players that are best on each site. So like, for example, like there are people who are like, damn, I kind of want exposure to, let's say Julio Jones, but he's a good play on FanDuel, but they're trying to aggressively playing him on DraftKings. Like I will, I'll just let, let him fall on FanDuel for me and, if he doesn't fall on DK for me, it's there's a salary to this game as well, right? So that's how I get my diversifications through playing on multiple sites. All right. So what's the what's the final takeaway here, Ryan? We, we got our 825. What would be the last step you would take here so I can let you go? Because we are we're going long here, and I appreciate all you guys hanging out. Of course, if you enjoyed this show, first of all, make sure you follow at Rinpack and also go subscribe to the channel right now. Hit the button down below, hit the like button too, because it helps out a bunch as I'm trying to build this channel up into more than just me and Pete's hijink. So hopefully uh, Ryan's giving you some good insight. But what do we do for the final build here, Ryan? Like, how are we pulling these out? Like, is there anything you would avoid in particular with that 78% Rondale Moore still hanging around? Um, you know, I think uh, in, in that 832% uh, field, let's just go up and like, I think Jalen Hurts will be the highest owned projected quarterback. I got to make a stand somewhere. And I think I would just like delete all the Jalen Hurts lineups. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, just cause like, I, I don't, I think cause he might just evaporate some of the double stack upside if he's going to rush in a touchdown, which helps him like his floor, but it doesn't help the ceiling of Goddard and AJ Brown. Uh, just cause he's still... So oh. active in the goal line. Wait, hold on. I, did, I selected all of them. My bad. I needed to select the filtered ones. Only filtered lineups. There we go. So we are going to lose 256 Jalen Hurts lineups here. That'll put us in the 600 range. So we're <laughs> so we're getting closer, Ryan. How do we get to 150 from 600 then? And then uh, at this point, um, 
since we've combined crutches, it's a good portfolio. If, if I see any, like some random Joe Schmoes that I don't want, I don't think we will. Uh, defenses, uh, it's so random. It is what it is. Like, I will uh, realistically, after it's done, like, if I'm leaving $800 and if I can upgrade the Jets to a better defense, I would be doing that manually, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't know what's going on here. This is normally not how Fantasy Cruncher goes, but uh, all right. Well, let's talk it through, Ryan. And we could also look at that stochastic thing you talked about as well. But these 569, so from here, what would you do to try to get down to the 150? Uh, down to 150. Uh, a lot, it's hard, a lot hard of the to ownership. Them. <laughs> I understand huh? that. Sorry? It's hard to do that without seeing them on the screen. Yeah. Uh, I do think oh, one thing we could do is um, you could easily just pick the lowest 150 because I do feel good about this set with the ownership. You could do that. Uh, and then what was the total? Uh, I guess we don't have that anymore. But the total. You know, this, is all, this all disappeared somehow in this process. And no, it's there we go. Okay, now we're back. I think it's just, honestly, when you do that many batches of lineups, it can be a little weird yeah. sometimes. So that's something I've observed. So just keep that in mind if you are. Uh, fucking around with this stuff. All right. And one thing, uh, hint, hint, it's faster on Mozilla. Just a heads up. So why is Kyler Murray selected? I didn't definitely did not select Kyler Murray. And um, so one thing I would do after this is, uh, so we got good lineups. I think I would, one thing I would have seen if I, if we we're trying to do the ownership approach, seeing the total ownership sum on the optimal that we've spit out. And then I think we're going to get very low on lineups, which I'm fine rolling out on a week one. I, I have no issues having a Lamar uh, type of situation, but let's restore that first crunch then and see. So the ownership on oh, now the ownership is gone. Why is the ownership gone? Man, this is not a not a great showing. I love Fantasy Cruncher. I thank Fantasy Cruncher on the regular, so I, I I'm disappointed it's not coming through for us in the big game here. But the ownership projections are zero, so that's not going to be the most helpful. Okay, so that's fine. But um, there, are, if you're running out of time, and sometimes I'm, if you're building um 150 lineups in the Millie Maker, and then you have 20 lineups in like the four, uh, four entry max, I would pay 170 unique lineups. I have no issues doing that. Mm -hmm. I, don't think, I don't think uh I think that's completely fine. Uh, to do uh, just to I, I before i used to just like all my lineups need to be in all like the contests that i can enter then i was like i realized it's okay and it's gonna suck if you have the winning lineup the million maker winning lineup in the four dollar and it's not in the five it, it will kill you it has killed me like i have been like devastated from that happening but it, it's just part of my process and i was like i probably don't land on that lineup if it's not like if i don't build all if i don't pick 170 now, yeah. uh, where things get a uh, little tricky here is how do we narrow this down from uh, 569? I, how I would personally do it, I would look at uh, wide receivers who are like, like I, I think all three of those guys are great plays because of their quarterback. Um, Jacoby Myers, there are there good pivots around him? I think there are. And then I would like slowly delete, like outright delete players who I don't want. And then sometimes I will fall on less than, 150 and then i do it again and then i finally fall on the final set so it's a bit of a manual process mathematically people will simulate thousands and thousands of lineups right now right people are on the simulation end and then they will probably filter out based on the contest entry and contest size they're in and then they'll pick an ownership they'll do something with ownership projections to fall on that final 150 i personally don't uh have that yet and that's the next evolution in my game i don't know if i'll ever get there but I'm assuming like the guys like the whistles go woo, your nerdy tenor. They have like 
simulated processes based on ownership projections, filtering out their final 150. So, is there any world where you would pay play no Rondale Moore, given how unavoidable he's been, and that you're going to get lineups that are different right away? If you could keep you know relatively close to that projection, is there a situation where you would do that? Personally, yeah, I think so. Uh, but since it's week one, I don't think Rondale Moore um, is going to be as owned as projection sites are uh, expecting him to be, just because of how big that tournament is. It's probably so hard to build uh project out a nine hundred thousand dollar a nine hundred thousand dollar field. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just super hard. So we gotta make stands somewhere. Like I, I won't if I'm if I'm capping Rondell Moore, I'm gonna cap him at 50%. Maybe I filter out the if I filter out just Rondell Moore and then I like take out the two hundred most owned Rondell Moore lineups, and then I'll mm-hmm. naturally just fall on fifty percent more by doing that and then i'll fall on like 150 lineups but then i'll have to do that with tony and then like that's one other way of filtering out a 150. in this in this spot right now where we're at with like the 569 lineups you could probably make an argument any of these lineups are probably good uh based off the correlation that we've already inbuilt uh, with the double stack and like they have the ceiling to win it um maybe some rondell moore lineups and maybe the pairing of rondell moore and kadir's tony might be too high maybe we, we need to filter those out a little bit so there's what I'm trying to say is, Chris, there's no one right way to filter out 150. I'm saying I, I don't think there is. Okay. Yeah. And I know, I, honestly, I feel like it might have been our pal Eric Linquist, who again is going to be on the Friday show with me doing ride or die picks. We'll also have Pete's picks as well. Uh, emailed in from Vegas. So even though Pete couldn't make the show this week, we are going to have our ride or die competition going on here. But I remember one thing Eric told me, and I, I don't even know this is for public consumption, but I know he had a lot of success, I believe, in NBA, just like not playing the three highest ownership projections guys every night. And I think that was one of the things he was saying, at least at that time frame, but right before I moved from LA, that was running well for him. Like that seems like an aggressive take, but especially for NBA. But I do think there's a logic to it for the for NFL sure. where like maybe you don't do that with Jonathan Taylor, but you can do that with Tony and more and just hope somebody else gets there. And I think that wouldn't be the craziest thing, especially for a week one. For sure. And uh, we kind of did that with Jalen Hurts. We just expedited yeah, him sure. with Jalen Hurts. So there's so many ways to do that. Like, um, the reason why chalk and DFS is chalk more times than not, they're good plays and you're just trying to take the chances against um, the percent owned that they will be like Derek Henry is going to be 50% unowned. We saw Cooper cup uh, towards the end of the season, 40% on 50% on sometimes I felt like, and I was like, damn, I can't play Cooper cup at that much high of an ownership. And it burned me. And you got to live with the decisions you make based on that. It's just the game Are we're you- playing in. Do you look at something like a standard deviation for that, where if Cooper Cup's projected for 29, but a standard deviation is like, let's say four, I'm just making up a number. Yeah. But like he, like his worst case outcome is still good enough to win you a tournament. Is that something you would consider in that process? Or is it just like you see the ownership and it's sticker shock right away? It is sticker shock right away for sure for me personally. But sometimes I'm like, okay, let's say if, let, let the, let's say if everyone playing was running out the stochastic like projections, and if Rondell Moore is going to be 70% owned, projected, and if he ends up being 70% owned, goddamn, I'm going to wake up on Sunday after lock and be like, damn, I should have faded him. Like, it, like yeah. that's like really high for NFL, right? Because it's so volatile. And like, they're going to be, if we're going to run this slate out 100 times, I guarantee you he's not going to be the best 4K receiver 70% of the time. 
I got to say, I am shocked at the lack of Justin Jefferson here. That's popping up overall, like 7% Justin Jefferson. And like, I know I've beaten the drum a lot for him with best ball, but like, I really think he's in store for like one of the biggest seasons of wide receivers ever had. Yeah. 7,800. It's like a tough price point and everybody's paying down a receiver. So to me, like I would want to make sure I get some Justin Jefferson this week. And I, I definitely will be doing that in my, in my lineups for sure. Yeah. What I will sometimes even do when I'm building out like the set here, I will lock in Justin Jefferson and I'll uh, give me a hundred lineups with Justin Jefferson. Just like do it. Like I want like at least 10% Justin Jefferson. So I'll lock him in just to get exposure to him. Um, and like that's another way of just forcing in guys you want. And there's a reason why you want him. There, Justin Jefferson can blow up and get you 40. And if you only have 1% of him, you're probably not going to win. Like if you have yeah. 10% of him, you just increase your odds by quite a bit. So, And it's okay to force in players that you think have that ceiling. I think it's completely fine in doing so. And Fantasy Cruncher helps with doing that and increasing the speed of it as well. Um, I love that there are some lineups with Jefferson and Chase. Like, again, speaking of my best ball brain, like, that's the, like, this one feels unique, but also very upside. And then you have Aaron Jones as a bring back, like, which, you know, was not something we forced here on the rules. Like, mm-hmm. I like this one. And I, you know, for four lineups with Chase and Jefferson, like, those are two guys that can get you 40 points and can easily break a slate. For sure. And Kyler Murray, like, we, going back to Kyler Murray, he can easily be QB1 and, Rondo Moore can hold it down and Ernst can uh, snag you a uh, TD and you're good. Like yep. a lot of the um, lineups you, you get built. On, uh, Ryan, I just want to make sure to make the most of your time. What do you want to show off on Stochastic here? Uh, yeah. So if you go to um, NFL. Is it under tools? Is that the thing? Yes. Let me just make sure. Uh, top stacks. Uh, there's so many tools. I got to say for Stochastic, really more and more tools by the week, uh, even compared to like when I was there. So I gotta give him the credit. I don't know which thing is the option to select. <laughs> so uh, click NFL. Just okay. click the NFL the, the button in general. Okay, we got NFL. Like the NFL homepage. Oh, the NFL homepage. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, let me go over there. <laughs> and of course, Ryan. Of course, one of the members over at Stochastic, one of the team members over at Stochastic. So please go check him out here. We've been generously using their projections and ownership projections today, but definitely get it in your process for yourself because I really couldn't advocate more for it having been behind the scenes as well as you know being front facing, selling memberships and all of that. Like Stochastic has changed people's lives for the better, I think, in a lot of ways, and I would give them the full credit for that. Let's go um, to lineup generator on the right. Uh, on the right. And so this is for the opto or the non-opto bros, the hand builders, but let's see. Yeah, let's oh, that's, okay. This is pretty intuitive. And then boom, it spit out a lineup. Wow. So it's that this is so this is based on projection. selling lineups, right? Huh? <laughs> does this count as selling lineups to the people? Well, well, you can if you don't like this, this is like your um your lineup dating experience. So go down, scroll down. So if you yeah. like it, you can click save. If you don't, you go to the next one, on to the next one. So and this bar will show you projection high, and then if you want to have uh, ownership higher or ownership lower, like pivots, like that's what it's, the bar is showing on the bottom as well. So let's discard that one. Oh, there we go. Honestly, very cool tool. Like I think this is something that, you know, people always want to be spoon fed some stuff out there. I know that for my days at Stochastic, mm-hmm. um, you know, the YouTubers out there and you guys here, I think who are in the chat watching this channel, you probably enjoy doing a little more work to get the results you want. But if you just want to get a nice lineup, you're doing playing with your friends or whatever, or want to throw one in the big tournaments, like this seems like a nice tool to use. And one more tool I want to show you back to the NFL page, if you okay. uh, yep. may. So if you go to player compare, uh, right there. All right. So oh, the either ors have finally been solved. Yes, huh? So you finally. host enough to take it. <laughs> so let's say if we want to do a double, uh, like a stack. Let's say let's do Hertz and AJ Brown. Let's just see what it happens. I would 
I don't think I want Britton Brown. Okay. And then, uh, Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown, the two V two. I don't know what the, if their salaries are similar, but they're they're here. Be, they might not be the similar salaries. It would have been much better to do similar. Salaries. They're 13, two and 13, four. Okay. So here you can see it, it's surprising to see our, uh, the uh, ownership is lower on Hertz and Brown compared to huh. uh, Kyler Murray and uh, Marquise Brown projections are point apart. Uh, so if you were debating on the stack, the single stack here of Hertz and Brown or Murray and Brown, it, the projection would go um, to the uh, Hertz and Brown side. Is the head to head accounting for which one they expect to be better more of the time? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so there. Look, and nice. Yeah, I think it's based mainly on projection. It hasn't or, uh, incorporated ownership yet in part of the data uh, set, but uh, like one v ones and two v twos. Man, I, you've probably fielded uh, about a couple thousand of those <laughs> in your time. So never answer like, unless they're a super chat, Ryan. Huh? <laughs> never answer them unless they're a super chat. That's the only time we're taking on either or. Yeah. So this was the reason for uh, that, and then one v ones. Like we, I mean, a lot of like Tony versus. Tony's what, 4,300? Tony versus Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think there's similar price tags or something like that. Uh, we can, you let's, can, let's, let's take a quick look at it. Why not? Wow, we've already gone an hour and a half. Who fucking cares? <laughs> I assume you'd be leaving if you had something else to do. So let's oh, do it, I don't, Ryan. Let's I, I, I don't have much to do. I, my busy day was the last two days. So, I'll, who are we comparing I'll, Tony to? Uh, let's just, uh, let's just pull up. Uh, no, let's just scroll down. Let's just find like someone in that price okay. range. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's nice. You could scroll there. Yeah. Okay, we got. Oh, these are all QBs. That's why. Um, Let me just pull up. Let me just. Maybe we can compare them to Wandale, I guess, at a cheaper price. It seems like usually one v one would be similar price. Uh, oh, here I got it oh, now. Never mind. Let's why see Jacoby Myers. Myers. Let's see Jacoby Myers. All right, Jacoby Myers was popping up a lot in that crunch yeah. we were doing. I do think that that'll be a very popular like decision point if people can't miss. Uh, it's a slight advantage for Tony here, a little more ownership though. So and it feels like Jacoby Myers probably has some reason to go that way. See, like uh, looking at the uh, like we got what seventy plus Kadarius, seventy percent plus Kadarius Tony, and look, he's only coming up twelve percent of the time. So, do we want to be six x the field all the time in NFL DFS? You certainly can be. I don't play like that really, but it certainly can be. Yeah, so there you go. So those are some of the tools at Stochastic. Again, stochastic.com, S-T-O-K-A-S-T-I-C.com. Great people over there, guys like Ryan, who are legitimately making a lot of money out there. And that's something I've talked about with some of the YouTubers in the world. Like, look, you follow whoever you want, enjoy the content whoever you want. But ultimately, when you are trying to be profitable at these things, when you're trying to use the best data possible, follow the people who are actually making the money and are not grifters either. Like, and I will say that from the Osmo team, um, Alex, Ryan, of course, Tom, the CEO, Eddie, the founding team there, all the hosts as well. Like, Nobody there is pulling the wool over your eyes. So I would say hang out with them on Sunday morning, hear the best takes possible, and understand that ultimately this is going to be a game of probabilities, and it's just about figuring out how you attack it from there. Uh, but Ryan, please, the floor is yours to plug whatever you want here to our very influential audience here on Splash Play. So please, uh, plug whatever you want. It's been a great honor. I think I was the first colored person on Splash Play, if I'm not mistaken. Breaking <laughs> no, barriers. Arif. Arif oh. was on, a, yeah, the okay. Athletic okay. Vikings reporter. And if anything, he's one of our favorites. So we are we are fully about people. We've had women on here too, right? I don't know oh. if you noticed. You know, okay, all right, all right. Fully diverse and <laughs> fully diversified. Yeah. Uh, class. something for everybody here on Splash Play. <laughs> no, Chris, this is a ton of fun. I, I I hope we can do this uh, throughout the season at some point as well. I, it'd be a ton of fun to come back and join you. 
Uh, you, you can follow me at Rinpack. I don't do much NFL uh, content. There's a lot of guys who are well-versed who do that at stochastic.com. Check us out. Uh, but if you guys want to find me on Twitter, uh, it's Rinpack, R-Y-N-P-A-K. Uh, thanks so much, Chris. ton of fun. Yeah, there you go. So follow Rinpack now. Follow me at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. I'll be back on Friday with another of my pals, Eric Lindquist, joining the show. We'll have Pete's Ride or Die picks live from Vegas, though he won't be live. But the picks will be live from Vegas, so that'll be the important part. But come hang out this year, of course. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. We'll see you guys again soon. Enjoy your weeks, and good luck, guys. Bye. <laughs>